Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of The Break. I'm your host, Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek, and I love to talk with you about my passion for movies and TV shows, faith, books, technology, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. As always, I'm streaming this live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitch. And if you would like to actually join the live community, then we have an appointment next week, not on Wednesday. I'm recording this right now on Wednesday, but I'm going to do this on Mondays. Mondays at 6 p.m. Central European time, which is noon Eastern time and 9 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. So, and then somewhere in the middle of the night when you're in... Uh, Australia or New Zealand. Uh, my apologies for that. I haven't mastered the the skill of um, uh, what is it? Multi multi dimensional podcasting yet? <laughs> multi temporal podcasting. Maybe I should uh, ask Hermione Granger or the Doctor to give me some some ideas on how to do that. But. I'm always happy to be here, not just by myself talking into a microphone, but to have you as my audience, either in the future, because you're listening to it after I've recorded this through your headphones, or live um, via the miracle of live streaming. Always fun to, to uh, be in a community. We're going to talk about a ton of things, but before I start talking about the many movies and TV shows that I want to discuss, I first want to welcome a new member of my Patreon community, John Anderson. And John Anderson has joined the $5 tier, which gives him access to both the premium version of The Break and also the premium version of The Walk. If you'd like to join him and so many other people that help me do this work, uh, they are my only source of income right now, then I gladly invite you to join that wonderful community you'll get access to our discord server and so it's much more than just the support for my shows or getting some longer versions of the shows that i put out there um, but what i think is the most valuable aspect of this is that you become part of a family of people that are really really cool and helpful and caring and so um, I, I can highly recommend you doing that how do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So the Oscar nominations are in. Many surprises, a few snubs, and also some well, expected nominations. Uh, I won't go through the list, but the one thing that everybody has been talking about is how Barbie, the movie, this major success last year, together with the Oppenheimer movie, the Barbenheimer phenomenon was, of course, uh, absolutely impossible to ignore uh, for these nominations. But the Barbie movie only got a nomination for Ryan Gosling's Ken. He was nominated for the Best Supporting Male Actor, but immediately afterwards there was also this disappointment that Margot Robbie, who plays the titular character, Barbie, and does a fantastic job, and Greta Gerwig, who also wrote the script or co-wrote the script for the movie and directed the movie and you know, is behind the whole idea of how to tell this story, they both 
did not get nominated. Now, there may be a bit of a consolation Oscar for Greta Gerwig um, when it comes to the best uh, screenplay, or what is it, like the, the adapted screenplay or screenplay. So uh, since, since she is also a co-author of the script of the movie, that, that may help. But I think she should have been nominated, especially because nowadays with the Oscars, there's so many um, people that get nominated. Why couldn't they just add her to the list? It is baffling. And, in, and many people uh, also remarked that it's kind of what the, the movie tells as a story is we only focus on on the, the men. And the women are always in this kind of supporting role there and get ignored. Um, and so uh, the reason that I talk about this is that I actually watched the movie for the first time yesterday evening. And actually the last part of it, I watched it this morning because it was a bit too late. Started to watching it too late. And so um, I watched the final 20 minutes this morning and, and I loved it. And now I totally see why everybody was so uh, excited about this movie. It is such an incredible accomplishment. Um, not only does it look amazing, just the whole way in which they uh, integrated the Barbie world and the real world, and, and the, it, it's just unbelievable. And so many of these effects have been practical and not digital. Of course, they are digitally enhanced, but a lot of the scenes that you see have been recreated just with props. For that alone, I think the the, the movie deserves um, a, a lot of uh, applause. Um, but also, I thought the script was incredibly smart and witty and topical. This is what all of us are talking about right now. What what we are in a, in a process of change in our societies, um, also culturally, maybe even religiously. There are a lot of religions that are are you know trying to adapt to our our new sensitivities or sensibilities and the changing roles and the distribution of roles in our society. And of course, theology has to also somehow, you know, think about that and take that into account. Otherwise, faith becomes something abstract from another age. But the, the, the job of philosophers and theologians is always to take these old ideas and to apply them to a changing society. That's why the, the theologians will probably always have a job because... Well, the world is changing, and so does our thought. And in, in my church, the Catholic Church, there's a lot of reflection and discussion about the role of women that in a certain way is very parallel to the, the discussion that you see in the Barbie movie. But I thought that they did it in a very um, nuanced way and, and also with enough humor to not make it too heavy-handed, too over-the-top. And there were a f just a few moments in this movie where I just... I was laughing out loud. There are a few moments where they break the th the third wall, or the fourth wall, I should say, and uh, and there are these meta commentaries, and and it is just so witty and so smart and so funny, and it's also a movie that actually, after having seen it, I was like, I need to watch it again because I I just couldn't take it in. There was just so much in terms of the visual aspects, the acting the story and then the meta story, the deeper meaning of these stories, of the, of the story that's, that's told. Um, I definitely uh, want to rewatch it. In fact, I am certainly going to rewatch it, maybe even tonight, 
because I saw, and this made me super excited, that on this is on HBO Max in the Netherlands. Um, so Max in the rest of the world, for some reason, Max, it's they are unable to get the license to use the word Max because we have actually a broadcasting company in the Netherlands that is called Max, and they have the rights to that name. So here it's still called HBO Max. But what I saw after finishing the Barbie movie... Um, there was another option to watch the same movie, but this time with director's commentary. So it is Greta Gerwig who is commenting on her own movie. And so, and this is something that makes me very excited because I thought that we'd seen the end of these director's commentaries. This was a thing that was so common on like more expensive DVDs and Blu-rays. They would add these extras like behind the scenes and interviews with the, with the, with the actors and with the with the writers, the producers, they would show you how they did the special effects, etc. And then they're my favorite type of, of of Blu-ray and DVD were the ones that had one or even multiple audio commentaries. And I'm so sad that I actually got rid of a lot of DVDs that had audio audio commentaries on my favorite movies. Thinking, you know, I'll get them on Blu-ray only to discover that the Blu-ray version didn't have the director's commentary. And then later on, when everybody moved to streaming, there were there were no extras. Maybe a trailer or something like that, or a very short featurette like the ones you see on Disney Plus, but nothing compared to what I loved so much about physical media as to have so much background information. For me as a as a fan of of not just the movies, but also the movie making process, as a writer and and creator myself um that's always where i get where i learn so much about the art of storytelling so i was so elated to see that there is now actually a way to watch the director's commentary on via streaming and i hope that a lot of other streaming platforms are taking note that this is a way to i mean this if Max is going to continue to do this. I will stay subscribed because I love this and there's no other way for me to access this kind of content. So hopefully they will see that there is value in actually bringing us more information about the creative process behind um, the the movies and TV series that we love. So I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, Someone else on on TikTok uh, actually said, well, you know, yes, everybody's talking about Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig being snubbed at the Oscars. But let's not forget that we also have a number of amazing talents, actors, directors, um, that that have, have been nominated in those categories. So there's only limited space, you know. So, so th- there are also a lot of amazing accomplishments that are being honored. So it's, it's you know, both and. So we'll see what the uh, movie will will do. I was also um, happy to see that two of the songs of the movie were nominated. There's this song like I'm Just Ken, which is a song that I really didn't care for. It's just not my type of music. I, meh, meh. <laughs> I was like, okay, get it over with. It was a long, a long musical number in, in the movie and... Ugh, no, but the other song is with my favorite song has been in my head for months now, ever since it came out. And I started listening to the music way before I watched the movie, of course, um, is, is, uh, uh, the, the Billy Eilish song. Um, what, what was I made for? What am I made for? And that's just not just a haunting, beautiful melody, but it's also, um, 
it, the, the, the lyrics are, are amazing. It's almost like a meditation uh, on, on, you know, who are we? What's our ident identity? And that's, that's the, the final part of the movie that I think elevated the whole story to a different level. It was not just like men versus women, uh, which would have been like an easy way to tell the story. And it's all, uh, you know, to, to um, how would you say that? To uh, 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 condemn the patriarchy, etc. But But ultimately it became a quest for for meaning for both Barbie and Ken. They both had to redefine themselves. Who, who, what was I made for? What is my role? The, of course, you have the role that I play because this is what other people and what society expects of me. But I think we're currently in, a, in an era where a lot of young people are asking themselves, well, I, I know about you know, the expectations. I know about traditional role models. But I don't know who I am, who I am, who I want to be. I don't know. And the, this question is, is asked multiple times in that movie, but by both by Barbie and by Ken, and even by some of the human uh, characters in the story. You know, like, who am I really? And who do I want to be? So it's all about, you know, to, to which extent do I define myself? And to which extent do I see value in how other people... Um, see me and, and can I embrace that kind of more traditional role that society expects of me and the movie does not do either or I think what um, what I liked about the movie is that it is it's clearly posing the question it shows you how um, uh, I'm looking up the song here at the same time I'm so bad at uh, oh yeah so it's what was I made for and so that was like, who am I? What? Who am I? What was I made for? Um, the the every you see the characters answering that question to a certain extent, but it's also a question that at least for, lingered in my mind after watching the movie. Is like, as a priest, for instance, you know, you have a lot of expectations from people, and it's something I deal with every Sunday after mass when I meet my par parishioners, and you see that they all have different ideas of who I should be. And you see this in the way that they approach you and they, they, they talk. Even, you know, some, some will call me father and other will just use my, 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 my first name and will talk to me as if I'm their friend. And, and so you see a lot of those perceptions. You also see um, uh, online a lot of different ideas of what a priest is supposed to do. You know, and uh, I, I still remember uh, vividly the criticism that I got from fellow priests, from people in the diocese, uh, and also from from people that stumbled upon my 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 blogs at first about Star Wars, and later on my podcasts and my videos, challenging what I did, telling me that well, that's not the role of a priest. You should be praying. You should be visiting the sick. You should be celebrating liturgy, etc. And, and so I didn't fit that kind of format that, that idea that they had of what a priest should be and so that was a moment where I was challenged to to ask myself the question you know what was I made for and can I be a priest in my own personal way and at the same time still fit the definition of what a priest is supposed to do so there's always a negotiation going on and this is true for uh, for priests, it's also true for, for any role that you play in your life, whether you're a mother or a father or you are uh, 
um, a teacher or I don't know any enroll or, or, or a, a, a student um, and even in the way that we define um, the way in which we are um, in, in in which we are either you know um, a, a woman or a man or maybe we don't know exactly who we are there are a lot of questions that that our society is struggling with and I think it's it's what this movie conveyed to me, this is how I watched this movie, is um, the moment you start creating all these these closed containers and you put people, well, you are Barbie, so you should behave like this, or you are Ken, and so you should be this. If we start to do this in, in our real life, that is where people get stuck. And because there's always... That there, there are the roles, there are the expectations, there is also maybe a vocation in our lives. And, and the traditions can be very useful and very good, but they should never become an obligation because people are so diverse and, and different and multifaceted. So I never felt that I fit into the role that other people gave me. I was always a bit strange, even as a, as a seminarian. I was always in trouble because I did not at all correspond to, let's say, the role model. And nor did I want to. I actually had become, a, or had, yes, I had entered seminary because I was used to going against the, the, the current. You know, <laughs> in my school, nobody went to, to church. I was one of the only ones who thought that faith deserved to, uh, you know, <laughs> deserved my attention and my time on Sunday morning. And, and so I was always a bit, like the, the the guy who went against what everybody else did, and then I entered seminary, and all of a sudden I was supposed to be just be like any other seminarian and just just do my job, and I couldn't because well now I know it's also my my ADHD and and just my my incredibly explosive creativity, and I, so I could not conform to the norm. But does that make me a, a bad priest? No, it just makes me the Father Roderick style priest so it, there, there's always this these both sides to how we define ourselves and how society defines us how faith def defines these roles but at the moment we we turn it into an ideology and we rob people from their own personal freedom and their own free will to define themselves we're often seeing that people will actually turn away from us or turn away from the church or you know because we 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 know somewhere inside that, that we have that freedom it's a god-given freedom to define who we want to be and of course we have to take into account the invitation and so this is what what the Bible presents you, or though that's a very risky thing to say because there is nothing as the Bible saying this particular one thing. No, the Bible is written over the course of thousands of years and it has many different ideas about what women are, what men are, what priests are supposed to do and what prophets are supposed to be. And you, you see in these Bible stories always also the same negotiation. Think of the prophets. They're always like, they're called... And then their first reaction is not, okay, I'll just be an obedient prophet. No, most of them react like, what the heck? Are, are you're, I'm supposed to be a prophet? I didn't think so. I No, pfft. just go find someone else, you know? So you have that same struggle in the Bible. So who are we to present, you know, our, the, the, these 
role models, these functions in society, uh, uh, trying to to uh, justify them by waving the Bible around. That's always a bit risky. So anyway, um, I'm getting off my soapbox because I've got a lot of other stuff that I wanted to talk about um, when it comes to movies. And the, one of the other things that um, is front of mind right now is Star Wars, because the trailer for season three of The Bad Batch just dropped. It is quite amazing. Um, it looks fantastic. There is a huge spoiler at the end that really surprised me. Um, a very important event in this third season that I didn't think they were they should have given away in the trailer, but of course, a trailer is also meant to <laughs> intrigue people and to get them to watch that final season. If you've never seen the Clone Wars animated series or uh, any of the previous seasons of The Bad Batch, this may not be the best entry into this part of the of the Star Wars lore, but if you have seen the Clone Wars, if you have been following this, um, I, I think you'll agree with me that this is a very, very good story with some, some extremely compelling and, and uh, amazing characters. Um, and, and you want to see where they go with this story. So it's, it's a story about these rogue clones. Of course, as you know, the, the whole clone army was based on this one guy, Jango Fett and Boba Fett, that you may remember, even if you're just a casual Star Wars watcher. Boba Fett was... Um, the son of Django Fat, and and so uh, there's this whole this whole uh, spin-off story that was developed later on um, after the prequels uh, were out, um, and it was developed also by by George Lucas himself initially, and it tells the story of these Clone Wars and about the plight of these Clone Warriors that know that they're all clones and yet they still have their own experiences. So you see that even though they are the same build, they do have different characters, different attitudes. And, um, and then these, these, the Bad Batch, these particular clones were actually failed clones. They were a little bit weird. But it's because they're so weird that they're so effective. They, they join together. And so it's, it's a band of misfits and they... Um, take care of this young girl that they find who actually also turns out to be a clone and there is a bit of a mystery around uh, who she is and where she comes from and what her role is going to be in the story. It's, I think it's amazing what they did and it gave the prequels, I think, the depth that it lacked in the movie versions. There was just no time to tell this part of the stories, this of the story but now that you know how these clones, what what's inside the helmet... Uh, it gives a lot more weight to the events of the prequels. And so if you have watched Clone Wars and then you go back to the prequel movies, they become better, which is something that Star Wars does all the time. It tells, it spins a tale around these tentpole movies and it makes you appreciate them in a different way. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It's going to be um, uh, on Disney Plus in February. So that's, that's nice to have some new Star Wars this year. Um, I also finished watching the Squid Games reality show. There was an announcement, I think, just uh, the other day that there will be a second season of Squid Show. Squid Show is a South, South Korean television show that took the world by storm. It was bought up by Netflix. And it was um, unlike anything most of us had ever seen. It's a very cruel sh- uh, story about um, a game show where... At first, you have hundreds of contestants. There's this big money prize, but 
there's only going to be one last person standing. All the others actually have to die. That's that's what makes this such a cruel series. And uh, so one after the other uh, is eliminated. And, and there is a clear message in the original television show um, that is also criticizing our, like, desire for 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 extreme entertainment and uh, and 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 this like this desire for money and to win the prize that m- turns people into killers um yeah there's a lot of the the same the same idea of the the, the hunger games for instance that's also in in the squid games but it was also a bit of a horror show it was quite brutal and violent so this has been a massive success for Netflix, and so obviously there was going to be a second season. We don't know exactly where they're going to take the story, but what I liked about the first season was this kind of meta story, this, this criticism of our consumerist attitude. And so to my surprise, they turned this into, um, or actually I wasn't surprised because it was such a commercial hit, they, they created a, an actual game show based on the story of Squid Games and on the aesthetics of Squid Games. Um, and it's classic reality TV, very, very orchestrated. Uh, you can tell if you've seen a number of these shows and you know how they make this, you can tell that there's a lot of deliberate storytelling going on where they manipulate the, the what they film to create storylines. And uh, they do it very artfully. This is, I, I feel, very American style of television. Um, so that's something that is a bit grating for me as a European. It's a bit, over, well, it's very over the top. Um, but it's also extremely well edited and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Of course, nobody's really going to die, but the elimina- eliminations are very brutal and very real. There's a lot of backstabbing. The, so the show, and the show looks very much like the TV series. They, they rebuilt similar, uh, similar environments. There are actually, in the beginning of the TV show, a number of games that the contestants have to play that are identical to the ones that are played in the, uh, in the South Korean TV series, uh, albeit without f- fatalities. Um, and because the TV show had such a brilliant ending that was such a twist and such a whoa, the ending of the actual game show was very lackluster and, in, and an incredible disappointment. And uh, that's really where I think they missed the mark to- completely. There was no deeper message. It was all about basically just winning a whole bunch of money. But even the final game, it was so like, man, did you guys run out of ideas? This is the lamest thing I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it was a weird show. I mean, I watched until the very last minute hoping for you know, some twist or something that would, sur- would surprise me. But it was as the more we went to the finale, the, the less interesting the show became. Strange, strange, strange. Um, then... I also uh, have been watching Young Sheldon season one, which is such a charming show. I, I mean, it, I love what they did with that show. It's it's totally different from the Big Bang Theory, and yet it has the same kind of quirky humor. I love it, and I'm so glad that I haven't seen it before. And another show that I'm catching catching up on, which I have never seen 
but I'm only watching it now, is True Detective. You may have seen that there is a fourth season that is coming out now with um, Jodie Foster playing one of the main characters. And every season of uh, True Detective tells a separate story. So you can just begin with season four. You don't need to have seen the previous seasons. But being a complete completionist i wanted to start at the beginning and i don't regret it because it's an amazing show oh my goodness this first season is so well written and acted um it stars woody harrelson and matthew mcconaughey and i was shocked to see that this was filmed in 2000 or this came out it's probably filmed even before that it came out in 2014 so this is 10 years ago and it, it looks this could have been filmed last year it's so incredibly well done and and a gripping story not for kids but whoa (laughs) i'm really really impressed it wasn't on my radar at all so um definitely going to catch up until and and then i'm gonna watch the fourth season um what else have i been watching oh i've been re-watching the rise of skywalker um, I I was in a mood to maybe it's because last week I talked so much about the character of Rey and then this whole debate in the Star Wars world about the role of women in Star Wars. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna rewatch the Rise of Skywalker. I enjoyed that final movie. A lot of people didn't, um, but I just wanted to see after have, not having seen it for a year, is has my perception changed? And in fact, it has. I thought that the movie. I saw more qualities and I also saw more flaws in the movie. One of the things that struck me most was how much the, t- the storytelling in this third movie was in, was in vignettes. Like every scene looks amazing, but it's just a vignette. It's just like, look at this cool moment where Kylo Ren is slashing down enemies. And then there's another vignette. Look at how cool it is that he walks towards this big, dark pyramid, upside down pyramid. No, it's not upside down. This huge extraterrestrial pyramid or whatever. And then the and a lot of the scenes are extremely over the top, way more over the top than other Star Wars movies. Where where uh, the last Jedi had actually a very was a very much down to earth movie. The, the whole training sequence with with Ray and Luke Skywalker um, was was slowed down. It wasn't very spectacular. There was a lot of dialogue. It's very subtle. And you, of course, you had the Canto Bin. What was it called? The big gambling planet, the Las Vegas planet. That was over the top. But that was also the part of the movie that I cared for the least. Um, but then all of a sudden in The Rise of Skywalker, everything is over the top. Even like the whole way they filmed it with slow motion. And and it made me think of the way in which anime tells a lot of these stories. Like the heroes in anime, they don't have much to explain. They just have superpowers and it's like very, um, how do you say that, blown up. Everything is also visually a vignette. And it struck me, I wouldn't be surprised if if J.J. Abrams and maybe the other people that were involved in, in creating uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker have been at least subconsciously inspired by this type of visual storytelling. And, and I can see how that also can come across as a bit, a bit jarring and out of character for Star Wars. It's, it's, it, it 
misses the maybe the realism sometimes or or just some backstory to explain um it, it it it's very fast and it leaves so many gaps in the story where you kind of have to assume that there's an explanation but they don't tell you what's happening the one thing that i did really like even more than the first time i saw the rise of skywalker was the whole the whole diet thing where kylo and and ray actually are two halves of a of a of of a, of one force sensitive pair um and and this is how they can communicate and the now that i'm rewatching what they did with the story i can tell how they were already setting that up in the previous two movies and i do believe that this was intentional um i've for a long time i i thought that that the rise of skywalker and the last jedi were just so cut off from what came before because it was basically jj abrams handing it over to ryan johnson and ryan johnson was like yeah whatever you just do your thing with part three i don't know what's going to happen um but i'm not convinced that that's the only explanation for the how different these movies are i think there's actually definitely a, a common thread when it comes to the story of ray and kylo that was at least already in kind of was already there in the first movie maybe they had several ways in which they were going to develop this but that ray and kylo had this very special bond something you set up in the in the force awakens you have to pay that off at the end of the story and they do this i think very effectively in the third movie so yeah mixed mixed feelings about this movie but still very enjoyable i never really understood why so many people were were so emotional and negative about this movie i think it's it's fine it's not maybe not prime star wars but there's a lot in that story and because it's made out of all these vignettes there there's also a lot that you can fill in later on with storytelling something that star wars likes to do and this is one of the reasons that i like that I like Star Wars so much. It's because of this kind of stuff. All right. Uh, where are we in time-wise? I think we need to start wrapping things up. Maybe I'll press this one button and see what comes out. Ooh. I like this music. It transports me to a different world with birds and nature. And it's peaceful and... sun is shining green grass flowers you know what this makes me think of a video game that i've been playing this week which was a huge surprise and it's one of the most successful game launches in the history of video games i'm not kidding you the game is called pal world and it launched on day one as a um a, a, like a release uh, like it's un how do you say that it's a develop a game in the still in development it's a there's a there's a uh, there's jargon for that it is a i don't know man it's not finished yet they're still tinkering with it but it's it's good enough to release it and so it came out on game pass on the xbox and also on steam and it became a massive hit on steam millions and millions of people bought it on day one and have been playing it concurrently they can see this which games people are playing and this went way beyond anything they've seen for for other games um before the so the game pal world is 
this wonderful, beautiful world with different areas. It is, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And you you wake up in that world um, a bit in the same way as the start of Ark survival evolved uh, if you've ever seen that game where you, this is kind of a survival game in a world filled with dinosaurs and it's a multiplayer game where um, you have to build a base and tame these dinosaurs and survive it's a very hard game uh, wasn't really my favorite game i played it for a couple of weeks but it was a little bit too clunky for my taste oh, but i do like the survival genre well this game is feels similar to Ark uh, Survival Evolved, but it has Pokemon. It Not, of course, the official Pokemon, uh, but it has creatures that are very similar to the Pokemon that we know from Nintendo. In fact, you are actually also able to catch those Pokemon, to use a something that looks like a Pokeball. And then you have to catch these animals and tame them, and you can fight with them, and you can... Uh, up, well, I don't think you can evolve them like the Pokemon, but you can definitely go level up when it comes to these Pokemons. And ultimately, you can even ride dragons and stuff. It looks amazing. Um, and uh, it's, it's a fun game that is like surprisingly close to Nintendo's intellectual property. So they have Nintendo has been... Um, sending a cease and desist to a guy who developed a, um, um, a mod for the game, so a modification that would replace the fantasy creatures by real Pokemon, of course, thereby uh, uh, using um, copyrighted stuff. So Nintendo was immediately on top of that, but they haven't really taken any measures uh, against um, uh, PAL World. And I wonder if they if they can. They probably have been very smart since this was released by Microsoft Game Pass. They have their lawyers. Microsoft is a very powerful company, so I I I think they're probably legally safe to do this. But um, it gets awfully close to what Nintendo is doing with their Pokemon property. So if you've never played it and you're interested and you have Game Pass, check it out. It's called Pal World, P-A-L World, and um, and uh, right now it's I think ten percent off on the Steam store. It's about twenty five bucks or something like that. It is uh, it's not really cheap, but I think it's good value. There's there's a reason that millions of people are playing this game. That wraps it up for this episode of the break. Thank you so much for listening, and um, of course, again. A warm welcome if you want to join my Patreon community. I'm also um, developing uh, a coaching business right now. Um, And it's tied to what I do in podcasting. I've always tried to be a pioneer in the world of social media. And from podcasting, I evolved to YouTube and TikTok and storytelling in general. I've worked in television and I'm helping people and institutions and organizations to learn from that process. And if they want to get their story out and to tell that in a a convincing and an appealing way, then I'm there to help them if they want to. So if you're interested in that, just send me a note and I'll tell you more. 
Um, there will be a website also. Uh, we're working on uh, developing a brand new Father Roderick website, which is going to integrate all my 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 coaching and the podcasting and the community aspects of it. Uh, but that's still going to take a lot of work, so you'll have to be patient a little bit. Um, if you want to join me live next week, the appointment is Monday at 6 p.m. Central European time, noon Eastern time, and 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. Hope to see you live. And if not, we'll, we'll catch up through your earbuds. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. God bless. <laughs>